Hello, this is Chris. Rick. Greg, wake up. I'm here, I'm here. Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to talk about today? All right. So we're here to talk today about life settlements. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, uh, let me just tell you this. I'm going to give you some good news first. Let's uh, look at uh, what the New York Times has to say about life settlements. Uh, trading in life insurance policies held by wealthy seniors has quietly become a big business. Hedge funds, financial institutions like Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank, Berkshire Hathaway, and many other institutions are spending billions of dollars to buy life insurance policies from the elderly. And you may think, why would they do that? Well, real quickly, they used to be only available to institutions. Now they're available to the individual. So if you're looking for institutional rates of return, as an individual, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about the ugly part of it, why some people think that there's an ick factor to it. You want to address that, Chris, why somebody would want to say, I don't want to buy it. That's an ew. Well, we can definitely talk about that, but the ugly part is also we got to make the lawyers happy. So, Rick, you want to cover that part first? Yes, I will. We're not here to provide investment advice, tax advice, or any other advice. The information presented president here is only meant to be informative and educational. We're not here offering a, or promoting a product or sale of this solicitation for any securities. All right, good. All right. So now we got the legal mumbo jumbo out of the way. Uh, go ahead, Chris, take over. Yeah, so the, the ick factor, you know, it, it, some people get grossed out about the idea of buying someone else's life insurance policy and it's really not that gross. Um, somebody's going to buy it and somebody that's selling their policy is going to sell it. So you're not really doing anything wrong other than helping someone cash out their life insurance policy and ultimately get more money than what they would by surrendering it to the life insurance company themselves. And really, I guess we should go back and define what is a life settlement. So Greg, do you want to give a quick explanation? Well, before we even get into that, I, I wanted to just talk about when I meet with the clients, I like to tell them that it's a responsible thing to do because the individual is selling their policy. They're going to let the policy lapse. Um, you know, there's a few options that they have, but if they don't do something with it, they don't sell it to a third party life settlement company. They're not going to get as nearly much money that they need. They may need it for health care, uh, home health care, nursing home care. Uh, maybe their spouse died. So you don't know the reason why. And that's why this market is a multi-billion dollar um, industry and only getting bigger and better. So the question was, what is a life uh, settlement? Yeah. Well, uh, basically, it's, it's when somebody has uh, a life insurance policy, usually they're uh, over 72-ish, all the way up to 85, uh, and they have some health conditions. Uh, they're not... Uh, they're chronically and critically ill, and for whatever reason, they decided to sell their policy. Uh, maybe they can't afford it anymore. We don't know why they sold it, but they decided to sell the policy. And so, uh, being that they have that opportunity to do it, because in 1911, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Grigsby versus Russell that it is a legal uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, they set a precedent in terms of being able to uh, treat life insurance like property, like real property. Yeah, private property, personal property. So just like anything else, you could sell a car, you can sell your house. Well, it is legal to sell your life insurance policy. And uh, that was been around since 1911. So a lot of people have really never heard of these life settlements, as we said earlier. As... And, and why haven't they heard of them? Are, there, are the insurance companies making a big deal and letting people know that they can sell them? Absolutely not. Uh, why not? Because they want the person to surrender the policy. What does and, that mean? What's surrendering? Well, instead of you making premium payments, you just decide I'm not going to make any premium payments anymore. You just let the policy lapse. That means that there's no more any, no longer any coverage, and therefore the insurance company would not have to pay out that two, three, four, five million dollar death benefit, and you might have paid into that policy for ten or twelve years. Got it. And then, so that's surrendering. That's just letting it lapse. That's so if letting you just, it lapse. That's basically just walking away from it and saying I'm done. Sayonara. But what about surrendering? Rick, you, you want to talk about surrendering? What does that mean? Surrendering is just, just totally give up the policy. They no longer will have any coverage. And that won't do them any good because they basically pay, like Greg said, they pay for a certain amount of years, all for not. So that would be the worst case scenario is to surrender their policy. But you can get some cash value from it, right? If you yes, surrender it, yes. the insurance company will pay if, you if something, there, if right? If there's cash value if there. There's if there's value. cash value. And typically that's what? Pennies on the dollar, right? Pennies on the dollar. And usually working with a third-party life settlement company they get uh, three to four times what the insurance company would basically buy it back at i think there was a london school of business study we'll have we'll have to dig it up but i think they they even found in some cases it was four to seven times what the, ins the basically selling on the third-party market a life insurance policy holder could get four to seven times the value compared to what the insurance companies were offering. So to kind of circle it back, that's really why the insurance companies don't want people to know about using life settlements because ultimately it means that the insurance company has to pay out of the full face value versus just giving, you know, buying it back for pennies on the dollar. So um, now in terms of Legality, we, Greg, you already talked about how uh, with Grigsby and Russell, um, it was ruled that um, life settlements are legal. So we're talking over 100 years, life settlements have been legal in the United States. So that's pretty strong, um, pretty unlikely that they're going to reverse that decision anytime soon. Um, but what about the safety aspect of it? Um, they're, they're safe, they're not safe. What, what's the likelihood of not being paid out? with a life settlement? Well, in over 200 years of the insurance industry, they've uh, never missed a payment. Rick, you want to interject a little bit more on that? Not now. Okay, well, I gave you the opportunity there. So, uh, as far as safety... You gotta, you gotta stop napping on us, yeah, Rick. They're, they're, they're never missed a payment, so uh, what's the likelihood of moving it forward that they're not gonna miss a payment? They never have in 200 years. I would expect uh, them to hold true. Uh, you're buying, it's a legal contract, first of all, and these uh, insurance companies are the largest uh, entities in the world as far as, uh, you know, their dollars and what they have in reserves. Um, so I, I, Chris, I, I have no worries about uh, an insurance company uh, not paying out a death claim. Never has happened and probably never will. Okay, awesome. And, and so in terms of getting paid, um, <clears throat> when would somebody get paid? Say they buy a life settlement. When would they get paid? Upon that person passing away. 
the owner of the the actual policy, correct? Yes. Yeah. The insured. The insured. So isn't that kind of like, you know, Russian mafioso, like betting on somebody dying? Is that, is that kind of... Well, if you want to look at it that way, but like, like Greg was saying, I mean, the, the, these policies were at one time bought by a person who needed some sort of protection, and now they don't want it anymore. So they pass it on. Their parliament people pick it up. But what happens is once that person that the policy that's on passes away, then the investors will get paid a portion or uh, a share of whatever the death benefit was. Okay, makes sense. And one question, let me, since Rick brought that up, um, we hear uh, some people say, well, should I just buy an individual policy? And we kind of frown on front on that um and chris we were talking about this earlier well it has to do with the big d right diversification yeah, diversification so should they buy one policy or should they buy into a, a portfolio that might have you know three four five six maybe as, as much as 10 different policies for the diversification because if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and that one individual happens to live seven years longer than anticipated that could be problematic as far as what your rate of return potentially could be you're still going to get your payout it's just that you have to wait that much longer but having six seven eight nine ten different policies inside that portfolio kind of hedges your bet that you know most of them are going to pass away in that three to seven year time frame based upon their le's uh which is life expectancy so yeah which that, that brings up a great point with uh life expectancies you know one one thing to keep in mind when looking at possibly buying a life settlement is where are the life expectancies coming from there's multiple there's many many companies that offer life expectancy reports but not every life expectancy company and report is equal you have individuals that are essentially a nurse practitioner just using basic information to come up with a rough estimate and then you have life expectancy actuarial companies that are using the same actuarial tables that life insurance companies use and they really dig deep into medical records and making sure that they're as accurate as possible. So that's really the key when looking at one or many life insurance policies uh, and buying the, them as a life settlement. What What's the life expectancy report and who is, is issuing it? Right, and that's really important because a lot of people say, well, you know, why don't I just sell my life policy? I don't want it anymore. Uh, well, they're not going to buy it unless you have some ailments. So if you uh, are, you know, 72, 75, doesn't matter, uh, a smoker, uh, maybe you've had a heart attack, stroke, cancer, you're diabetic, you don't take your medicines according to what the doctor says, um, you don't go to the gym like Rick does. He goes there all the time. He's just uh, an animal. Or like uh, Chris, who runs 55 miles a day. Yeah, Chris is just incredible. But he, if he, if he was 72 years old, he wouldn't be able to sell his life insurance policy because he's too healthy. So the people that are selling these policies have a need to sell it. They need the money for for something, which we alluded to earlier. But uh, it's it's out there. It's a thriving business. And today we're just here to, you know, talk about it because it's, it's kind of something that a lot of people don't want to bring up because it has that D word, death, associated with it. And I'm just the opposite. When I meet with people, we talk about the good things. Look at it. You're helping someone. Imagine your mother 
82 years old, and she's got a $5 million life insurance policy. She can't afford the payments anymore. Maybe the husband passed away. What is she going to do with the policy, Chris? Let it lapse? You know? Yeah. That's not going to help her out financially. So if she could sell it, maybe for a million dollars, do you think the kids would benefit from that? Or maybe she can use it for, you know, she's 82. She wants to go on a trip. Maybe she's wants to take everybody on a cruise, the family cruise, or... <clears throat> maybe she needs it for home health care. Home health care. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. So, you know, that's why I'm glad, uh, you know, this was all Chris's idea and Rick's idea. I'm just, you know, the third wheel here today talking about the life settlements, but it's something that a lot of people have not heard about it. I guess the next question is, why uh, don't a lot of financial planners or bankers or brokers offer products like this? That's a great question. Really what it comes down to is life settlements are sold as a private placement. So what does that mean? Well, as a private placement, it is not registered for the general public. And really that just comes down to how it's registered with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. More or less what it, what it really breaks down to though is the fact that Private placements are not offered by most brokers and bankers and financial advisors. The reason for that, well, we can get into a whole conversation about it, but we'll just keep it simple. It's not offered by them because it's not offered by their platform. Most brokers, bankers, and financial advisors have to sell the products that have been approved by their companies. And ultimately that means that you're being sold the same products just like everybody else cookie cutter cookie cutter and there's nothing wrong with the same shape cookies and the same same tasting cookies but sometimes you want a crinkle cookie instead of a chocolate chip cookie and so private placements offer that as an available option yeah here's the thing if you're listening to this uh, today no matter where you're at is just because you may not have heard of it or maybe your broker has heard of it and he's confusing it with viatical settlements. Ooh, that's a good one, viaticals. And uh, they were real prominent way back when, when Magic Johnson got AIDS and a lot of people had, they were selling their life insurance policies and they were being sold as viatical settlements, which meant that somebody was supposed to die within 24 months. And that certainly didn't work out uh, for a lot of people. Um, You know, thank God Magic's still alive, you know, with the advancements in medicines uh, he was able to survive that, but the difference between a life settlement and a viatical settlement is the life settlement people, number one, they're way older and they have chronic and critical illnesses. They're not terminally ill, uh, so they're chronic and critically ill. So maybe they broke a hip and once again, they're 80 years old. That has a, a big toll on whether or not you can get around. And then all of a sudden, a broken hip leads to less walking, less activity, skipping a meal, they skip their medicine, they fall down a flight of stairs, they're hospitalized, they get pneumonia, then they pass. So it's not something that, you know, we're waiting for them to pass away tomorrow. These people are chronically and critically ill. They have a need to sell their policy. And once again, there's tons of companies out there that are benefiting, mainly institutions, but now we're bringing it to the average Joe. And oh, by the way, how can you invest? Can you do 401ks, IRAs? You can, actually. So uh, private placements, many private placements, you can use qualified funds, which would be money in 401ks, IRAs, dormant 401ks, 
403Bs, the list goes on and on. So retirement money can be used for investing in life settlements. The key is, is that you have to move it, the money to a self-directed IRA custodian. There's lots of them out there. Some are good, some are bad, some are expensive, some are cheap. There's many that are out there. We've got a few preferred ones that we like to use and we've got the reasons why. So, you know, that's something that if you have any interest, let us know. We'd be more than happy to talk more about that. But uh, life, life settlements absolutely can be used with qualified retirement funds or cash funds, either or. Right. And the, the beauty of it, you can use either or. But if you use cash, and, and this really needs to be hammered home, this is not a liquid investment. This is something that when we meet with you, we, we tell you it's a four to seven year, four to 10 year window uh, because of the rate of returns that you can expect on these are extremely favorable towards you and so this if you need you know a monthly income this is not the investment that you want to do if you're looking long term and that's why lots of our clientele uh and rick and i do a lot of cases together uh utilize their dormant 401k an ira for those teachers out there 403bs especially if you're 59 years old 60 years old you have 12 years before you need to take out any distribution why not put it into a vehicle, oh, by the way, that has contractual guaranteed payouts? The only question mark is the value of time because we don't know exactly when those policies are going to pay out. Exactly. So really the key is this is a medium to long-term product. Absolutely. You do not have access to the money until there's a maturity. And right. a maturity meaning when someone passes away so if it's a one-off policy you have to wait till one person passes away if you're investing in a bundle of policies whether um, you're choosing them individually or you're choosing to invest in a portfolio of policies where they're already chosen for you that's where you're paid out typically now it depends on the company but you're typically paid out each time there is a maturity um, but the key there is the fact that you have to wait. Time is the risk factor. Now, there is another risk. What about premium calls? We haven't talked about premium calls. Yep. There right, is a right. possibility of a premium call. For instance, some companies... Well, what's a premium call? Why don't we start there? Premium call is when the time has passed to the person's life expectancy, and now there's a premium call. So if they were given to age 70, if they got in at age 72, their life inspecting what's at age 78. 78 comes along, the person not, has not passed away, now there's a premium call. Some of the companies out there have that protection above the 78. Some of them have 24 months, some have a little bit longer, and they even have protection in case what they do is they save the money in case there's a, a person that passed away prior to their life expectancy. So the, some of the companies keep that money in the bank, earning a little bit of interest, so that when there is a premium call, they may not ask you for the money. They will pay it for you. So, and then there's some companies, unfortunately, they don't have that premium call protection. So it, it just depends. So it just depends on the company. So just to kind of uh, make make sure that, that I'm clarifying or, or understanding what you're saying, Rick, um, essentially when when you buy a life settlement, what you're doing is you're putting money, you're investing money into not only pay the individual policy holder, 
but you're setting aside enough money to cover the monthly premiums for the life expectancy of the individual. And oftentimes companies will also add an additional set of time on top of the life expectancy in case the person outlives their policy. So um, really that's something to consider when you're looking at life settlement companies is what's your risk tolerance for a premium call? If you've got a lot of cash money and you want really high yields, there are some companies that don't have any excess uh, reserve set aside and you may get a high, high yield, but there's also the risk that there's a premium call and if the individual lives 10 years longer than their life expectancy, you've got 10 years worth of premium calls to look forward to. Other companies do a great job of really building in. It boils down to also, Chris, the underwriting and the policies that those companies are purchasing. That's if, very true. You know, if they're if they're buying it uh, with one life expectancy and relying on that one, um, I would shy away from that. I like a company that's going to have two or three, maybe even four, LEs performed on it, and it kind of narrows it down to say, you know what, there's a high probability that this individual is going to pass away within this three, four, five, six, seven year time frame, based upon their life expectancy and their ages and their illnesses so that you know if you are a betting person you're going to win more times and lose and that's that's really what this is all about is this is for safe money uh money that you don't need right away uh, as i said earlier if you need this you know for monthly income obviously this is not the place you want to put this type of money uh, we do have places that we'll talk about in another you know podcast but this right here, I'm excited just to, to talk about it because it's a, it's a, a, a valuable investment that is little known. Most people don't even know about most people. And really that's, we, we didn't really talk about that, but really this is an institutional, this is an institutional um, product that most institutions really have just um, invested in. I mean, Warren Buffett, he's got what? $1.3 billion in life settlements, why? Because it's a very secure product. It's typically, it's it's a known return. You know how much the life, uh, the death benefit is, and it's backed by insurance companies, which is one of the safest products out there um, given insurance, the insurance industry track record. So um, I think with that, uh, Rick, you got anything else? You've been kind of quiet today. You still waking up from your nap? Well, not only that, it's just, uh, I think you guys like to talk a little bit more than me, but that's okay. That brings this episode to a close. We appreciate any and all feedback. If you have any feedback, questions, or want to learn more about anything we've discussed today, call us at 888-950-0033. Again, that's 888-950-0033. Thanks for listening.